Before we get started with this next episode, if you'd like to support the podcast, please visit anchor.fm forward slash Lilith's Left Hand. There are links for the new website, lilithsleftthand.com, where you can follow the blog and any other happenings at Lilith's Left Hand. You can share on various social media through the Anchor site, and please consider subscribing there at any of your favorite podcatchers and rate and review us if the opportunity exists for you anything you can do to support the show would be greatly appreciated take good care of yourself Welcome back to Lilith's Left Hand. It's your host, co-host here, Jessica with Emma. Hey, Emma, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited. Me too. We've had some super cool guests just lately. I know. Today. <laughs> just... I'm excited and a little, um, I'm like wary of hearing about, we are at 2022 so today (laughs) yeah so today we have emily Riddout, who is my absolute favorite um go-to for astrology information she's an astrologer a yogi who specializes in astral yoga who really opened my eyes to the fact that that even exists uh and a folklorist which is perfect for emma and i because we love mythology Yeah. yeah stories we were super into it welcome emily thanks so much for having me i'm excited to be here with you guys we're excited too. I am a little, uh, I want to talk about some fun things before we talk about <laughs> the 2022 forecast. Um, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that you're my favorite <laughs> go-to for astrology information is because I find a lot of astrology information to be like, kind of like when you're learning tarot and somebody sees a five card right or a tower or the devil and they're like oh this is horrible (laughs) right and so um not really the way that you want to interpret that in my opinion right challenging inspiring you to be somebody different to change who you are like transformational all really good things and you talk about astrology in that same way which I find refreshing because I so often I think um I mean the words are like beneficent and maleficent (laughs) maleficent you know so I get it it's like this black and white stuff um but sometimes it people talk about it in a way that is like takes away power from yourself and kind of removes those ideas of choice in your own life with astrology. And so I love the way that you talk about astrology. Oh, thank you so much. Um, You're right that, you know, oftentimes we see something, 
even, you know, in the astrology chart, in your tarot reading, or just in life, right? A situation. And we think, gosh, this doesn't look good, right? My boyfriend left me or my (laughs) dog ran away or, you know, whatever it is. My lost a job, right? These things happen to people. Um, And it's not to say that the suffering isn't real, the challenge isn't real, and that those aren't things to have true feelings about. But when you are aware of the power and depth of your true being, you're able to take a situation or a circumstance that like, yeah, it might feel rotten initially, right? And transform it to actually be one of those moments that actually changes you into being your best self and who you actually are. Because, you know, on on some level, everything in the manifest universe is an aspect of the mind of the universe. And you have direct access to that through your own body and your own existence. So no matter what's happening around you, no matter how, you know, scary or upsetting a circumstance, scary or upsetting a interpretation of a placement, right? You have this power to take that and, you know, in the words of the old alchemist, right, turn it into gold. And that's um, my main goal for the people I work with, right, is to try to get them to not just say, gosh, this is challenging, which is great when you do see that, right? Because you're like, oh, I've acknowledged reality for what it is. I'm not playing some false dreamy narrative in my head about my situation, but now that I've acknowledged it, I can see it clearly and change it. And do you know what? That makes absolute sense. I teach kids and it's the exact same in their learning. You know, they're going to come up against stuff. You know, you start them with confidence building things, stuff they know easily, and then you challenge them. And hopefully, well, the aim is that you've taught them the skills to overcome that challenge. And I guess... You know, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like finding the skills to create the balance. Like if you're talking about the gold and alchemy, right, is the balance between it's creating the creating the creation of balance between two things really creates that change. Totally. Totally. And alchemy and learning, right, are acts of transformation. So if you're given something and you're, that's like the lemonade out of lemons thing, right? And we think about that as kind of like old timey, like maybe even 1920s advice, right? <laughs> Just make lemonade. But it's it's true. And I think people today are faced with a set of circumstances that they're like, it's not just a lemon. It's a devil <laughs> or like whatever. They're like, oh, um, and it's like, okay, you can still take that. And I love that you brought up the devil tarot card, right? Because in that card, in that devil, right? We see it. It's a scary monster. Um, It's actually depicted as being an aspect of ourselves, that piece of us that gets upside down, turned around and is so confused, thinking we don't have everything we need, thinking we're lacking, thinking this challenge is unbeatable, right? And the people in that card are chained usually by the neck to the devil, like the block the devil is sitting on, um, 
but what what is always present in that card is the chains are very very loose like to the point that they could just slip the chains off if they were like oh this is like draping around my neck but i could just <laughs> i could just remove it and um and so often when we are in a situation where we're like gosh this is hard we have to figure out like what is the act of removing our own chain so that we can take the right action. Yeah, I love that card. Um, just because for me, it's been really transformational and helping me just that whole idea really of like um, where I keep myself down, where I'm like my thumb is the one pushing me. I'm the one with the thumb on me, me. It's my thumb, you know? I'm the one that's not doing the thing that I want to do. Oh, why has God forsaken me? Oh, why can't I? Oh, why, why am I in this? And meanwhile, when I, you know, sometimes we do get these opportunities to change, but change is scary. And so we are the ones holding ourselves back. Very often that is the case. And that can be hard to hear, I think, depending on the circumstance a person is in, right? Um, and certainly sometimes things happen and even if, you know, sometimes things just happen, right? And it's then our choice how to respond to this circumstance. But very often in our mundane lives, we do create our circumstances. Um, I had someone tell me a story the other day about going into a shop and someone next to them walked up to the counter and, and started their interaction with the salesperson as, listen, I don't want any trouble today. <laughs> which, which always means trouble is coming. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm exactly trying to start trouble right now. And I was laughing because the person telling me the story was like, yeah, I had just had this very pleasant interaction with that salesperson. Like, hey, how are you? I'm looking for some help with this electronic thing. Right. And then, um, and then that other person walked in and you know, certainly sounded like they were having a bad day, had had previous bad experiences, but then walked into a new blank slate experience, which every moment is, and recreated um, that circumstance for themselves. And so, you know, that's a, a silly example, but if you think about any pattern you've had in your life, whether it's from you know, in whatever context, maybe you always, this is, you know, get in a situation where, oh gosh, you're frustrated with a coworker, your boss, your romantic partner, your child, your, right, whoever, a parent, right? Maybe there's a recurring pattern there. And particularly if it shows up in multiple places, that's a big clue that that's probably written in your astrology chart. And if it's a frustrating pattern for you, there's probably a higher vibrational way for you to consciously approach it in the future. Um, so, you know, this isn't to get down on anyone, right? Because we all have areas of frustration where we're like, this seems like a pattern, <laughs> right? This is continuing. Um, and then the trick is, as far as astrology is concerned, right? Look at it. It clearly says directly in the astrology chart, these are the good ways and the bad ways to handle this, like if you're able to read astrology. And then you can say, okay, well, next time 
I'm still going to be authentic to me. I'm not going to let go of me, but I'm going to do it in this more skillful way. Or I'm going to try to do it in the more skillful way. Sometimes, you know, an emotion comes up or a past trauma or something and we we lose it for a second. That happens to everyone, I think, where they're like, oh, I thought I had the skill I needed to handle that, but I didn't use it. And right. And so um, to but the more you become aware of those things, the more consciously you're able to implement the higher and higher strategies. So even if your life doesn't change overnight, in the course of a year or five years, this like one degree difference every day has you in a radical different trajectory, which is much more empowering, beautiful, life fulfilling, right? Hopeful and is of service to yourself and others. Which is why I really love astrology when you start really getting into it and feeling like, because for a long time, astrology just sounded like a foreign language that I didn't understand and I didn't really care to understand. Like I could just ask somebody else to look at it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I, I want to read this language too. Right. And you taught me, <laughs> by the way, Emily, I took a class with Emily um, and she taught me a lot about astrology and we'll talk more about your classes later. Um, but the thing that I loved about astrology is so, you know, you see that you have these patterns or this thing is happening to you and you know that you want to change the way you're reacting or you would rather learn to respond versus react, you know, um, and astrology can help us in the way that it can where what other energies can we pull in for balancing this? And astrology is really good at that. Definitely, because you're a complex picture, right? And so that you have, let's say, a placement of Mars, which would rule your anger response. But then that's having a conversation with other piece, places in your chart. So it's not just like conventional advice about learn to manage your temper or learn to express your anger if you suppress it or whatever the sort of conventional sort of psychological advice would be. But there's specific to you advice of like, this is the sort of thing that might trigger you. And these are the sorts of energies surrounding that, that you can actually pull in and the strategies that are customized to you that would resonate with who you naturally are and you can you know communicate those hopefully to those around you so that so that anger is constructive so that anger creates the force of change and heightened awareness and empathy rather than destruction destruction <laughs> yeah oh I, I like that. I was like, I have notes for asking you later. I was like, what happens when your Mars is like in a loose conjunction with Jupiter? I was like, that seems like I, I, I've read that it's like a good aspect um, and it can be really good. But I'm like in that and the thing that we're talking about, I was like, man, that's like some expansive anger could be possible there, like really heightening and opening up that ability to even go further with anger than you normally could. I never really thought about that. I don't have it, but I was looking at a chart with somebody that had it yesterday. So certainly, yeah. Um, Mars conjunct Jupiter, you know, Jupiter expands whatever it touches and Mars rules the anger response. He rules our warrior that is outward facing, but he also rules 
the physical drives of the body, right? So this is our sex drive, our hunger drive, our urge to move our body, um, and all of these things, right? This is the raw potency of the body. And truthfully, this is the only energy there is. So you can direct it however you want, right? Which is one of the secrets of Scorpio. You can direct it however you want. And that terrifies people, right? Because we could be wrathful. We could be constructive, right? And so Jupiter there isn't a bad placement by any means. Um, but it could mean that if that person does get incredibly angry, that it comes out in a huge explosion. It also might mean that they have a huge store of physical energy that they need to direct in particular ways, right? And so constructive direction of their life force, constructive use of their creative capacity, that's going to be really key for those people because if you're if you're using your life force for for something constructive, it's going to be, you know, the best way you can use it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thank you for helping me interpret this person's chart. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I love this stuff and I think it's so fascinating. And then I go through these phases of like being really into it and then I get into something else and then I always come back to it. And I'm like, ooh, what, what about this? Um, but we are coming up. So this will come out before the solstice. So I wanted to ask you some thoughts um, on the winter solstice Ooh. on the 21st of December coming up. It is coming up. Yeah. The winter solstice is the shortest day of the year. It's a time when the sun appears to stand still in the sky for about three days. And, you know, it's, it's the hearkener of the winter season, right? And throughout history, people have celebrated this time. They've called it different things, right? Saturnalia, we have Christmas, um, all, all sorts of things, Yule, of course. And, and the, the winter solstice is really a special moment when we pause, just like the sun pauses, and we contemplate the darkness, right? And the light, because we wouldn't have one without the other. We'd have no concept. Things have to be split into yeah. two factions for us to understand their polarity. And so with the winter solstice, it's a really powerful time. And this year, it's even a bit more powerful. And it might feel a bit tight this year, because three days after the winter solstice, we're having the third exact square of the year between Saturn in Aquarius and Uranus in Taurus. And this is a, an, an aspect which is the hallmark of wanting to have boundaries, wanting to have rules perhaps, but simultaneously needing total freedom and autonomy. And so you'll see this on a global scale, right? People are bumping up against what are the rules? What are the rules going to be? And what are the freedoms going to be? And how are these, you know, they're in a, con a conflicting 
relationship right now. And then in our personal lives too, you might start to feel like, okay, these are the boundaries I've willingly entered into in my life or perhaps unconsciously consented to, but are they restricting me in some way where I'm not able to experience the life and the beauty that I want to experience in this life? And so there's going to be a reimagining um, that's been going on all year and is going to keep going on, but we'll come to a particular contemplation at the solstice, which incorporates the darkness and the light of what are the rules and the boundaries and the structures I slash we actually want? And what are the rules and the boundaries and the structures and the freedoms that I'm willing to let go of at this point to move forward, right? And there are boundaries we love, right? Like the boundary of your house might be nice so you can go home and sleep. (laughs) The boundary of, you know, particular relationship boundaries, right? Knowing like, this is my mother, my child, my partner, right? Those are boundaries we willingly enter into generally. And then there are the ones we don't like, right? Like rules that just came about that seem outdated, restrictions on how we can behave, express ourselves, whatever, that don't feel right. Um, And then there are the freedoms that we want. And it's like, okay, well, we don't want total chaos, usually, um, because you want that boundary of your house or of your whatever, right? And so it's, it's a, there's going to be a moment around the solstice of looking at that and contemplating the shadows that pop up around that time during the solstice, right? So contemplating the clearing of the energy of like, okay, well, these are the things that are problematic about what we've been doing. And these are the ways that now we shed the light of consciousness, which is the sun on those things. And through the clear light of day, perhaps we quite soberly can say, okay, well, this thing, you're out. This thing, you're in right? And sort of do the difficult work of sorting out our own lives, setting our houses in order, while also recognizing that the solstice is a time of celebration, right? Because when we look at the darkness, right, the dead of winter, we realize what a gift the rest of life is, the seasons that we do get to spend with our loved ones, Like those are very um, key. And of course, can I talk about Christmas? Do you want to hear about Christmas? Oh, of course, please. (laughs) People like Christmas, right? Um, We all like presents. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and Emma and I have talked about that we actually do, we both celebrate Christmas for like the secular reasons. Yeah. um, And we love, we both very much love Christmas time. (laughs) decorating and eating and hanging out with our family, that kind of stuff. Totally. I love Christmas too. Um, It's such a wonderful reason to get together with your loved ones. And and you might be familiar that Christmas um, in its current iteration is usually accompanied with the story of the birth of someone named Jesus Christ, right? Who was born in a manger for the people who forgot the story, right? born in a manger, under a star, by a virgin, three wise men come and bring him presents, right? Um, That's sort of the the quote-unquote Christmas story. 
and then Santa Claus comes later and that's good too. But for, for that particular story, I just wanted to share, there are a lot of astrological origins of that that have to do with the winter solstice. Okay. So, um, we say born in a manger, right? Which is a barn, which is where goats live. And so that is a reference to the sign of Capricorn, which begins at the winter solstice. Okay. Um, the other thing that's there is he's born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary, right? In a place called Bethlehem, which translates to the house of bread, right? And the constellation of Virgo is a virgin holding sheaths of wheat. And so that is reference to what is on the horizon as the sun is birthed in the horizon because Jesus is the sun, right? The son of God is the sun, the solar sun. And so um, in the constellation of Virgo, the sun is birthed at that time on the horizon. And the three wise men refer to, is it, is it the belt of Orion? I forget which three stars, but there are three stars pointing right down to that point, which have altered a little bit in the last 3000 or 2000 years. But there's, there's a, there's a very clear astrological allegory there to the winter solstice and to, um, the birth of the sun coming back. And if you go to like Bible historians, they're all like, oh yeah, the, if, if Jesus was a real person, he wasn't actually, which Jesus isn't even the name of that individual. If you want to go on a sort of biblical history thing, it was translated to reference Jupiter, again, throwing Jupiter back because um, it means hail Zeus, right? Wh who is Jupiter? Anyway, these are all... That might be too much on the Christmas story, but but that all has to do with the winter solstice as well. And so when we're there at Christmas and someone's, you know, depending on the religious nature of people you're around, you may or may not want to share that story with them. But I always find it really interesting that these sort of cultural things that we sort of hear about, and if you're not religious, you might be like, what? born of a virgin in a stable, right? Like we get used to it and we think, oh, okay, that's the, that's the story. But when you look around, you see this, um, this very clear story about a time of year, this very clear story about what's going on in the stars. Um, and this very clear story of hope, right? The, the birth of a child, the birth of the sun, right? The sun coming back is a story of hope. And so the, and so that, that story, regardless of if you're religious or if you take it literally or symbolically or whatever, is a story of the winter solstice. And it's a story of the coming of hope as the sun, you know, begins to come back on that day. And the, the sort of promise that spring will come eventually. Oh, I love I love um, no like hearing that information because it's something that Emma and I talk a lot about. How all of our I feel like so much of the stuff that we need and the information that we need about who we are, who we are, we as in people, and our history is hidden in all of these. I mean, 
it's right there in your face, but it's like changed around. So it's kind of like what we were talking about, like the secrets um, that your teacher holds for you after you read all of these things and you're like, maybe you'll, maybe your teacher will teach you the three secrets, you know? And so there's these secrets that are, but they're hidden there for us to, to, to see. They just get transformed into different stories. Yeah. And certainly some secrets are truly hidden, right? Because they expect you to have a teacher on a path. Um, But many of these subtleties and secrets are in plain sight and they're hidden in the language that's used. And if you can read the language of symbols and of astrology and of mythology, and you understand things like, like the Spanish Jesus, right? Does sound like Mm -hmm. Hail Zeus. And then you trace it back to Jupiter and then you trace it back and then you, you know, read some things and learn a bit more about it. It's, it's all right. So much of it is at the surface. So much of it, you can just with a good dictionary and some, some root word knowledge really get, get in there deep. I love that. (laughs) Me too. Because I, um, I grew up Catholic, so I know the, the Christmas story, right? But I have never heard anybody talk about it in that way. So I never thought about it like that ever, ever. <laughs> so that is the first time I've ever heard that. So I'm super glad that you talked about it. Oh, wonderful. Well, those, those sorts of things are all, they're all in those stories that you would have heard as a child and sort of wondered. Yeah, those hints are there, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you can draw parallels to real life as well, I always think, because, you know, we talk about these things and they sound so far removed from us. But then when you talk about secrets being hidden in plain sight, oftentimes in our real lives when we're thinking about the situations we find ourselves in, you know, the answers are there. You just need to kind of... Even, you know, take time out or change your perspective or, but they're always there, aren't they? They are. The question always contains the answer. So Emily, before we talk about the 2022 um, forecast, I know that we have a Venus retrograde coming up and I want to talk a little bit about that because kind of like what I was saying earlier about people being like super negative about astrological events, right? Um, I think that people have this um, thing about retrogrades because we always hear about Mercury retrograde. Um, And I learned from you about it being more like, you know, it's time to go inward. And it really helped me feel about, feel, have like really positive relationships and feelings toward retrograde. So could we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So Venus retrograde is about to start. I think it starts on the 19th of December, but we're in its shadow period right now. And the shadow period is that period when it's already in its retrograde place. And so Venus is going to start this retrograde actually very close to Pluto which is in the late degrees of Capricorn right now. I think it's probably at 28 degrees Capricorn today. So Venus and Pluto together, of course, remind us of the story of Persephone, 
right? And Pluto being Hades, the god of the underworld, and Venus being the goddess of beauty. Of course, not directly related to Persephone, but we see that there where the beautiful goddess connects with Pluto, the god of the underworld. And this sort of fullness of the beauty of life energy with the dark energy that precedes and and after seeds after the fact you know bookmarks life on either side our gestation period and our leaving the earth plane period and so these two get together in the late degrees of capricorn and then decide to retro then venus is going to retrograde back through many degrees of capricorn and then once again, move through Capricorn. And so when Venus retrogrades, what we see is an inversion of the energies that Venus represents. And Venus represents beauty, love, abundance, and good things, okay? So sometimes I think in this sort of modern way we approach society, we think of beauty as being superficial, decorative, in some ways frivolous occasionally, um, that is not what Venus is. Venus is in no way superficial. She is the pure energy of beauty and love, which is the entire reason for life, right? This is the energy of the goddess that called us into manifest existence, that took us off of our floating on the planes of consciousness, baby, and down into the garden of delight, right? It's what we're all after. No matter what you think you want, you're probably after Venus, okay? <laughs> Running away from something, usually, to Venus. Um, and so often, though, we make a mistake with Venus. We think that beauty, fulfillment, well-being, good things come from the world around us, right? We have to be in the fragrant garden. We have to be in the job. We have to be in the relationship. We have to be in the whatever with the right cat. It doesn't matter what you think you need to have Venus. It's a lie. Venus energy permeates every single thing in the universe. And if you can access it, then you have more power than anybody ever needed, right? So when Venus retrogrades, her appearance disappears from the external world. And the intention with that is that we seek Venus within. Okay. So it's funny, I'm actually launching a course during Venus and Mercury retrograde with the intention that people are going to like really get deep in themselves. <laughs> but um, with with this Venus retrograde, it's in the sign of Capricorn. So, you know, uh, people who are interested in like finance might see some dips in the markets, both the crypto and the uh, stock sort of markets temporarily um, for these three months that we're experiencing this. You might be like, oh, seems like... and you already see it. Like I already see the markets going down a bit because Capricorn does rule business and finance. Um, Capricorn is an earth sign. So it might just feel like 
this winter doesn't feel quite as beautiful, right, externally. And the idea is to totally understand the beauty in yourself in the Capricorn way. Now, Capricorn is not usually a sign of great beauty, right? We're not usually, I mean, not that Capricorn people can't be beautiful. I'm a Capricorn, so don't feel like I'm like insulting Capricorn at all. But Capricorn isn't usually a sign associated strictly with beauty, although it is associated with the material realm. What it's associated with is a path, okay? Both the antiquated path of deep remembering of our esoteric paths and the modern path of striving and stepping forward toward a goal, right? This is where we get the sort of business thing is we're like, I'm going to build a business. I'm going to climb the mountain. I'm going to invest my money. I'm going to, you know, all these things. But then there's also the aspect of Capricorn, which deeply remembers. Okay, this is like, I think J.R.R. Tolkien had some prominent Capricorn placements and he wrote, right, the Lord of the Rings guy, he wrote as if he was deeply remembering something specific about the human soul in kind of that antiquated way, right? It's and cardinal, right? It's a it, cardinal, it's the cardinal earth sign? It is. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the big, the beginning of something, right? Exactly. It's initiating okay. a movement towards something. And now the trick with this is where are you pointing your earth plane level manifest energy? Okay. Because the energy of earth, really, if we're looking at elementals, is a mixture of the other elements. It's been congealed into the earth plane. And so Capricorn energy is where you are spending your earth plane energy, okay? So you want to be wise with this, right? You want to, if you're going to chase beauty, you want to chase the fulfilling sort of beauty. If you're going to chase love, you want to chase the fulfilling sort of love. You're not looking for a superficial date with the cutie that you just, Catch, catches your eye, right? You're not looking for um, fast cash that you blow <laughs> the next day, right? You're looking to build something of substance. You're looking to experience love, beauty, and joy with a set of consistent and regular principles that will help you to experience love, beauty, and joy regularly. So this is a time when it's when you're meant to start climbing your own mountain inside yourself toward the highest the highest expression of beauty, abundance, love and joy that you can find. And hint, it's going to be inside you because it's a retrograde. <laughs> so don't go looking outside yourself. Um, now that doesn't mean, that once you find it inside yourself, that it isn't immediately begun to reflect back to you. But it does mean that from, and I forget the exact date. I wonder if I have the exact date in my, no, I don't have the exact date on me right now that the retrograde will end, but the shadow period will last until about March 1st. So from now really till March 1st, just start that question inside. And the big question here, because Pluto initiates it, is 
how can you love the piece of yourself that you think is unlovable? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That piece of you that's mortal, that's, you know, uses your small lizard brain pieces of you, right? All these things, the piece of you that maybe was rejected as a child by someone, right? It's what we kind of mean when we talk about shadow work as well, you know, all of that comes into it as well, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It's the, it's the deep shadow work. So the task is how can you love, you know, the piece of you that isn't you know, the piece that you'd maybe show the world, you know, when your hair is done and you're looking, you know, fresh or whatever it is, <laughs> like go into those places where you're like, wow, one time I did this thing I'm not proud of. That's a good place to start. One time I did it something yeah. I'm not proud of, or I behaved away, or I appeared away, or I received feedback and I wasn't feeling good about that. And then to create and cultivate compassion for the fears that you were enacting by doing those things that, you know, maybe you're still not proud of the behavior or the outcome of whatever you did. If, if you think you have nothing that you don't regret, you know, that's nice, but there's probably, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> dig deeper. Um, or you should have done something differently. It doesn't mean that you don't dwell, like that you dwell, like, even if you're not dwelling on it, of course, right. right? If you don't regret anything, you might regret your tendency to censor yourself and hold back from the world too much, right? So there's all sorts of things to to look at. And it's not to dwell heavily on regret, but to sit there and say, you know, if something's still bothering you in your heart that you did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, yes, it doesn't matter. Um, listen to yourself and say, what was I afraid of? right? What was, what was the fear driving that? What was the dark thing inside me that felt less than, that felt lack, that felt whatever? And then to give that piece of you nurture, compassion, and encouragement so that that thing can heal. Because, because when you do that, like you're going to feel love inside yourself. And so the action here is how can we love the piece of ourselves that's a little too worried, a little too scared, a little too, you know, whatever, a little too anything, right? If you think you're a little too anything, how can you love that piece of yourself a little more? Which relates so much to everything that we've talked about so far, too, in my mind. I was like, it reminds me of that devil card um mm-hmm. just earlier the like corn. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Like, I, I, I love that the Venus retrograde ends at the beginning of spring, right? I mean, it's a happening at, at about that time because it's weird because I have recently, like two days ago, I was doing journey work and Persephone, I was, came in that journey and I was like, ah, and then, so I've been thinking a lot about this um, and it does, it feels also very much like cocoon time, right? So insular and like transformational and it's funny because I was thinking about gosh um unraveling your whole being takes a lot of energy (laughs) and it's really hard 
And then what ha what's even harder probably is figuring out how to put the energy back together to make something new. Because it's like the unraveling is so, so hard, followed by an even harder period of like of creating something. Um, and this kind of reminds me, this Venus retrograde kind of reminds me of that. Like you're going back into your soup. <laughs> you know, you're turning yourself into something. Totally. And you don't need to complicate it too, right? You can love yourself by taking a nap. You can love yourself by being like, you know what? I'm just going to sit on my couch and breathe for 10 minutes and let myself feel whatever comes out, right? You don't have to be an expert astrologer or find exactly where the Capricorn retrograde is in your chart, although that can be fun, right? Like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to call people and say, I really regret, regret the words I spoke to you 30 years ago. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like you can just feed yourself nourishing food, take a nap, drink water, like love yourself in the simple ways that you wish someone else would love you. Yeah. Like mother energy that we all have, like we can all be the mother, you know, and mm -hmm. that maiden mother crone dynamic, the mothers, the creation, the creator, the nurturer, the, you know, that aspect. Um, and, you know, doesn't matter your gender at all. It has nothing to do with gender um, as much as it does have to do with that archetype of like nurturing yourself. And it doesn't have to be in the way of like, it makes me think of Saturn and like some really structural like I created or Virgo like I created like this really detailed list of like how to nurture myself. It could be the simple things. Right. Although Saturn or both. is a bit present in this retrograde too, though, as the ruler of Capricorn. So you might love yourself by creating a safe haven and a boundary for yourself to be safe in. Right. You might love yourself. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about the importance of boundaries, you know. And it has a lot to do with the Saturn Uranus square coming up. I mean, like all of that happening at the same time is kind of around the same time is kind of, um, I think it's fortuitous, right? You're like, everything is aligning for you to like sit down with yourself, kind of go in, solar, figure out what it is you're thinking, how you're feeling, what you want to do with yourself. Um, I mean, personally and collectively. Yeah, people are being called upon and have been for the last two years through astrology in a way that is much more potent and powerful than it's been for a while. And so a lot of people have gone through a series of transformational uh, transits in the last couple of years. Some people were being cooked over a little bit before that too. And because collectively it's a time of stepping up into these challenging aspects to co-create a world, right? Which is what we're all doing all the time. You know, even if you think you're sitting alone in your house, you are actively participating in your small piece of the world and your neighbor is doing the same thing in their house and so on. And so it's not just the world leaders, quote unquote, who are making 
the rules, although sometimes the media would have you think that, we each, we each have our piece of the power. And if you give that power away, well, that's no good. That's a choice too, though. I mean, and that is a choice. Like that's an actual choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you stand in yourself and you say, you know what, this is my small piece of it and I'm going to make it as good as I can. Um, And if we all do that and we start with that place of compassion for ourselves and for our neighbor, and especially in those ways that we don't understand the other, right? Like, oh, you think that (laughs) you're doing that? Why? (laughs) Right. Um, Then the world becomes so much better, so much more quickly. Man, that is, it reminds, I've been reading, I don't know why. I was reading like Ezekiel. Ezekiel and he was talking about like 18 and 35 Ezekiel 18 and 35 and it's talking about um you making your own choices and you being in charge of your own choices um and how important that is instead of being the victim Mm -hmm. of circumstance and that is what is transformational and so you have it upon yourself to be the person that is making these choices even when you're living in a world that feels that is by all by all objective standards like very unjust Mm-hmm. People are not doing things uh, like the the larger mono culture. If you know, is is not is not made to support people. It's not made to support others, um, and so it is up to you to not woe is me, but to be the energy of that. And so you just live your life with the energy of that. Totally. And I think, isn't Ezekiel the one who runs into those creatures? They're flying and they have four faces on their heads and they are the four fixed signs of the Zodiac. Totally. Yeah. And he's in a chariot of some kind. Yeah. Oh, that's how I went down the rabbit hole of Ezekiel because I keep like, I've been getting the chariot car like crazy. Yeah. And the it's chariot like... is you, right? It's your body and your mm-hmm. connection. And the chariot means victory, right? The inevitable victory of what happens when you listen to your highest intuition and you walk in accordance, right? And the chariot card, of course, shows the balance of opposites. This is the card of cancer, right? Between desire and aversion, between what we call masculine and feminine, but you could call whatever you want, the polarity of gender that coexists in all of us or whatever. But... uh, (laughs) You know, the opposites, though, and walking the true path that's meant for you, um, that's that's when victory occurs. Right? Yeah. So you are the transport to your own victory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your body is. And yeah. the, this is the rising of, I mean, this is why Cancer and Leo co-rule the third eye chakra, right? The Ajna, the Ajna doorway, right? To the the higher states of consciousness is we in our bodies, when we meditate, when we do yoga, when we, you know, practice these things, there's a physiological shift that alters our brain and blood chemistry where pieces of your brain actually activate that have never potentially activated before. And so we look sometimes at these people who do yoga their whole lives and they can like, do all these things and we're like wow are they magical 
it's like, well, I don't know. Like, what do you consider magic? Um, there is a, a chemical thing happening for them and it appears as magic. Um, and so, it, you know, you can magic, of course, you can call anything magic or you could call nothing magic. Or you yeah, can, totally. That's a rabbit hole. You just dive right down. <laughs> to eat your own idea of what magic is. Yeah. Or lack thereof, depending on what your <laughs> perspective, your sad, sad perspective. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, Is this a it. good transition to 2022? Is this so like, let's go into it. So we are starting off the winter here with like the Venus retrograde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so what do we have coming 2022. Up? is going to be a year, man. It's going to be a year. Um, so 2022, I would say the hallmark of 2022. Okay. I would say the hallmark of 2020 was what one of my um, favorite clients call, told me was called the COVID cluster, she called it. But it was like Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter all together at this one degree point in Capricorn. And then I'd say the hallmark of this past year, 2021, was the Saturn Uranus square. And that's going to continue to be a reverberating theme into 2022. But I would say the hallmark transit of 2022 is in Pisces. Okay. In Pisces. Um, So Pisces for the last many years has had Neptune there, which is the modern ruler of Pisces. Okay. This year, for most of the year, we're going to have Jupiter in Pisces, which is the ancient ruler of Pisces. So the two rulers of Pisces, both in Pisces, having a Pisces party. Okay. Um, There's one other hallmark of 2022, which I'll get to in a second, but this is a big, big deal. Okay. Why? Pisces is the energy that occurs when we release the need to control and micromanage things, instead opening up to an experience of trust, faith, and opening to a more divine expression of life. Okay, this is why Pisces is associated with the true artists of the world, This is why Pisces is associated with the mystics of the world. And Pisces also has a slightly religious tint to it too, is because it's about opening to the actual connection to what is divine. Okay. Pisces is related to the second chakra, which is our capacity to create. This is the thing the ancient schools tell us that actually ties us to our own divinity is the ability to create, right? What you choose to create, like everybody's creating all the time, right? And you can either consciously create or unconsciously create. And, you know, on these paths, we're encouraging people to more and more consciously create. Um, And you can consciously create all sorts of things, right? Literally in your second chakra, you could create a human child. An actual person. Yeah. Actual Mm -hmm. baby. Um, Likewise, you can birth 
all sorts of ideas out into the world. And so this is a moment when collectively different things can happen. Um, I'll do the bad things first, right? Extremes can happen when Jupiter and Neptune meet up in Pisces, extremes, right? Especially with water. So we might see like floods or things like that, um, big waves happening. Um, people sometimes talk about glacial action with these sorts of transits, right? So there's there's some water energy there and big water energy. But there's also the water energy which is us, right? And water represents memory. It represents emotion. It represents the subconscious connection to all that is. And so what we might also see, particularly when Jupiter and Neptune are conjunct, is mass awakening to our powers, right? And what I mean by powers is these sort of subtle things that we don't always think we have control over, even though we all always do. And, and this isn't like, you know, I think like in modern, in the modern world, we walk around and we're like, we know that all is one because string theory and modern spirituality. And I know that I'm connected to you and you're connected to me and our souls are, you know, mirroring ourselves back and all this stuff, fractal universe. Great. That's an idea in our heads, but with this, it will, it could and this won't happen for all people and, you know, necessarily, but it might happen to many people, is you could suddenly find yourself having more direct experiential control over your piece of that. Is this making sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a big, a big thing. And they are going conjunct together in April, I think. Yes. Um, so, so that's one thing. Now, another thing that's going on is the lunar nodes, the North node and the South node are going to transition from Gemini North node, Sagittarius South node to the Scorpio Taurus axis. Okay. So for the last 18 months, we've been experiencing collectively and individually the, the movement toward Gemini energy, right? Which is the energy of seeing things in multiple ways, of having many different viewpoints on the same thing, right? And, and because the South Node was in Sagittarius, occasionally mistaking our sort of personal opinionized truth for the literal big picture, capital T truth, um, which you see, you know, you, you don't need me to give examples. <laughs> yeah. You'll see it. We've all seen it. Look around. <laughs> yeah. um, now Sagittarius energy is the energy of actually knowing something through your experience, not because an authority told you, right? Like some, your teacher told you, which is one way we do know things, right? And thank goodness, because if someone didn't teach us math and all these things, it, it would be hard just to like figure everything out yourself. However, sometimes authority, authority teaching us is not a good way either because they're flawed people too. And they might teach you the wrong thing, a limiting belief, um, something false that they happened to believe or didn't believe. And they were just lying to you. It doesn't matter. Um, 
it's not always the easiest way, which is why Gemini energy can sometimes um, fluctuate between like the good piece of it, which is like a nimble mind, looking at things from multiple perspectives, communicating, right? And then the dark side of it, which is um, perhaps attaching yourself to a viewpoint, which is false, right? Now with the Sagittarius South Node, it was all about experiential knowing and perhaps mistaking your subjective experience for the, for, or mistaking your Gemini experience for your Sagittarius experience. This time around, we're going to have the South Node in Taurus, which Taurus is the energy, like if you imagine the metaphor of a garden, it's the full bloom of springtime. Okay, that's the flower. Your, your prized flower that you grew and you everybody looks at it and you're like, what a perfect flower. Nothing could be more beautiful or fragrant, right? Yes. Um, and then Scorpio energy is the opposite of that. It's the seed, right? And in the seed contains the potential. Of course, most of us know what our seeds are, but if you have a random seed, you might be like, well, I don't know. What's going to grow? Is it going to be a giant beanstalk going to the sky? Is it going to be right? A, a rose? Is it going to be a big thorny thing that will swallow up my house? We don't know. That's why fairy tales exist warning us about the seeds we plant, right? And so with the Scorpio energy, it's just like that. That's the raw energy of us. And this is why people fear Scorpio energy is because what are you going to do with your raw energy? Are you going to use it for good or evil or some mixture, right? Usually the mixture. Um, what will your intention to do good manifest as actual good, right? Will the seed you plant grow the flower or the, the thorny, the thorny weed, right? We don't, we don't always know, but we can, we can educate ourselves to try to find out, right? Which is what Sagittarius is meant to do is to help us see through all the lies to look at something clearly and then to know, okay, this is the truth that's revealed itself to me from my experiential inquiry into it. Now with, with the North Node in Scorpio and this being in a fixed axis, we might find people who've since, you know, in the last 18 months been sort of churning their ideas, looking around, having conversations or arguments, right? Looking at things. Um, move more firmly into what they believe. Now, this can be a good thing or a bad thing, just like anything in astrology, because we are free to do as we wish. The best way you can use this energy is to go into yourself and recognize the piece of you that is the complete flower, right? Gosh, I actually know a lot about who I am, right? That's that statement. I actually know a lot about where I stand and what I believe and what are my values and what value do I have to give in the world. But as you're doing that, don't discredit the piece of you that's in seed form. Okay, so we all have the seeds of wisdom, bliss, love, happiness inside us at any moment, and we can sprout them. And so with the Scorpio North Node, recognize the power and the potency of a seed, right? You might not have started your venture or your project or the thing you want, but you might know the kind of energy that you'd like to grow, 
in your local community, in yourself, in the world, whatever, right? And so if you know that, you can recognize like, you know what, I have infinite power inside me that I can grow, right? I have access to the infinite power that I can grow. And so this is a moment when we can actually start to use our power and to take it away from systems, people, relationships, self-destructive practices, whatever, that have drained our power or been needless, we've needlessly spent it on because we believed, oh, that person, institution, you know, me, whatever thing has the power to do this for me. And so it, it is, again, an action of radical self-responsibility. Um, and the more clearly you know yourself, the more clearly you're going to think about this and the less you'll want to control other people. Oh, yay for those of us that actually want to stop controlling other people. Scary for those of us that we see really like digging in the heels at constantly controlling everyone's thoughts, actions, words. So it feels like it feels like this year coming up could be really transformational for some of us. Well, will be really transformation for transformational for all of us. Um, some of us will be able to see ourselves better, um, and maybe not so much for other people. I mean, with all of this water energy, with all of this, like, I mean, for me, water is so can be very difficult because it is emotional. Um, and if you are not prepared for the onslaught of a storm, um, you know what I mean? It's like you didn't board up the house windows yet for the hurricane. What will happen? Totally. And, you know, Neptune's presence in Pisces, Neptune tends to create illusion for us, which can enter us into a dream state where we can actually see more clearly, or it can cover us up and convince us to escape into a dream state away from manifest reality. Right. Yeah, like, so, wasn't he the one in mythology that, like, turned himself into, like, he wanted, I can't remember what goddess he wanted to love him, and he turned himself into, like, a dolphin to befriend her? Do you know what I'm talking about? Not fully, but that does sound very Neptune. Yeah, he, like, f turned himself into this dolphin to be friends with her and to give her advice and to help her get to where she was going. Um... But in the end, he turned out to be himself and, like all mythology, like raped her or whatever, like was horrible. So it, it just reminds me of the, like, the illusion that is not to your benefit. Too. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm not super familiar with that story. But if you look at it as being all aspects of ourselves, that is mm -hmm. how we often use Neptune is... Neptune can be used to show us our most beautiful dream, but Neptune can also be used as a mechanism of escape. And which, I mean, rape is a very dark metaphor, 
but we do screw ourselves over, pardon my French, when we use mechanisms of escape over and over to numb ourselves out, right? Um, So if you look at it as both being pieces of you and you are wanting to get where you're going, right? You're like, I'm on a path. I want to go toward the good thing, the good place, the good expression of myself. And then you're like, but it's really scary to put myself out there like that. It's really scary to step into my power. It's really scary to do this. What if I just take a detour over here to enter your escape mechanism here, right? It's, it can be drugs. It can be alcohol. It can also be, um, mindlessly consuming television, food. We all have different ones, right? Some people over-exercise to escape, you know, um, it, it depends on the human and it can be anything, but to recognize, like, when are you taking a necessary break for entertainment or pleasure, just like not, not, not overburdening yourself? And when are you actively avoiding life? It's like, that's a hard one for me always because I, of my 12, six act, like my houses, the 12th oh, yeah. house and the sixth house, um, kind of my 12, six relationship. What is that? The axis of like, I don't know, annoying me to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the axis yeah. of release versus control. Yeah. Daily activity, health versus spiritual embodiment. Yeah. And for me, Uranus is is all up in there, all up opposing itself in that placement. So I really I, I, I feel you on that last bit of like, what is you taking the required rest? What is you not having those daily habits? <laughs> you know, because we need to have the balance of both. And this is a really hard thing to find to figure out for everyone not just me for I, I well maybe I don't know I guess I'm not you guys maybe it's easy for you it feels <laughs> really hard for, for me <laughs> it's, it's so challenging but you don't have to be perfect when you do it right like sometimes people are like I have to be perfect now and it's like that's a recipe for really going into your avoidance if you think you have to be perfect so um but you know you do recognize you're like wow I've been consuming a lot of enter your escape mechanism here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's really been distracting me. And you'll know because there'll be a sense of anxiety when you do go sit down to do the thing that you think is most important. Or you'll find yourself lost, like, wow, I don't even remember what was most important for me to do, right? Which is when you go see your astrologer and we'll help you out. But, <laughs> but like, <laughs> right, like you... you um, You'll know because you'll either be anxious doing your life purpose task or you'll be um, or you'll totally forget. And those are the two signs that like maybe you're lost in a Neptune path. Yeah. So things to watch out for next year is just kind of, I don't know, I wrote down escapism. So what are we escaping to and from? Right. Um I'm really interested in that. I think it's really fascinating. I don't know. Yeah. And it's and, just, oh, go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was like, and there's all this other <laughs> stuff too. Ah. 
right? Yeah. And with the lunar nodes where they are, no need to be stubborn. When do they change? Early, when is that crossover? Early January. Let oh, okay. Me, so pretty soon. You. Okay. Yeah, they change. So it's using the energy of Scorpio and the energy of Taurus in balance to get what you want out of those seeds. Yeah, they change on the 18th. 18th of January. Yeah. Okay. Which I should have known. I coincided the starting of this course with like all of these major astrology events. And I was like, it's going to be hard and everybody's going to be ready. (laughs) Yes. So tell us about your course. Do you, oh, because people can take it also. Well, tell us about it. Sorry. I would love to. I also want to tell you about Mercury retrograde cycles in 2022. So well, let's do, let's do the Mercury retrograde. And then I want you to tell us all about all of your stuff. So your courses, I want, I kind of, um, and you teach yoga online on Tuesdays. I want you to tell us all about all of your stuff. So let's do the Mercury retrograde. Perfect. I just wanted to say real quick, Watch out for stubbornness this year. All the Mercury retrogrades are going in Earth signs, and most of them air to Earth, air to Earth. And so we're really working on seeing manifest reality for what it is, and letting Which no one likes of our of our really in the in stone ideas that we have about ourselves and others, and opening to more nuance. So I just wanted to let people know that like this is a time um, if you don't know what to do with your Mercury retrogrades, learn a practical skill, right? Learn to can something or sew something or cook something. (laughs) Something with your hands. Do something. Do something. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just don't just read your astrology chart. Do something. I think that's a good reminder, too, because um, the stubbornness part, because I don't know about you guys, but um, here's an example. I've been doing yoga teacher training, right? And I've uh, practiced yoga for a really, really, really long time, um, like over a decade, not as long as other people, obviously. But for me, it feels like one of the longest practices that I've ever kept, right? Um, And but it is. A really it's a process of me unlearning all the things I think I know and so it is not easy to us uh, to constantly come up to the come up to the thing and be like here I am oh shit I don't know anything I don't know anything I mean it's re- it's kind of refreshing and um just to remember that you know you don't have to know everything. No one requires you to know everything. It might be something in particular with just my personality. <laughs> I want to know everything. Um, and it is, it's, it's not the easiest feeling. So I'm glad that you talked about that since that's coming up collectively. It's happening. Yeah. And so a lot of us, I think, will have some struggles there luckily I've been doing it for a couple years now this nice fun unraveling of how little I know (laughs) so it'll feel I'll be an old hat (laughs) Uh, all right so I would love for you to tell everybody about your class oh so I'm so excited about this course that I have coming up which it's called astrology academy 
And it's meant for anyone who wants to learn to read their birth chart in a way that will actually be helpful and actually help them ask the right questions of themselves to get clear direction moving forward and for the different transits. Okay, so it's meant to it's meant to teach you to read your chart, but also to meant to help you ask questions like, how do I set, you know, proper boundaries for myself and others? How do I experience the most love, delight, and joy? How do I move toward my life purpose? How do I have healthy, happy relationships? How do I up my finances so that it feels authentic to me and I'm sitting in my own power, right? All of these things, as well as the other questions that naturally arise in reading the chart. So that's called Astrology Academy. It's a six-week course. It's online, and it's able to be taken live or via replay, and people who take it will get sessions where they get to ask me questions. And I'm actually running an early enrollment bonus right now where people who enroll before a certain date, which is this Sunday, but if someone's listening to this and they write me and tell me they're in this, I'll give them that bonus too. Oh, nice. oh that's fab. Um, Thank yeah, you. It's fun because um, they'll get a free luminary membership for the duration of the course, which is my uh, signature membership program, which gives you a big it's I think it's 50 pages every month horoscope booklet. It gives you ask me anything sessions and it gives you access to an astro yoga library of practices. And so that's just meant to help supplement people as they're you know learning it. They can reference their horoscope booklet and things like that. Um, so that is the other thing I offer is I offer memberships. I also have an upper tier membership where you get a reading every month uh, and includes everything the other one did. And those people also get discounts for friends and family. So if they wanted a reading, it would be much more affordable. Um, so yeah, I'm doing that. I have ongoing Astro Yoga teacher training that's available on demand right now for people wanting continuing education who want to teach this stuff in their yoga classes. And yeah, uh, astrology. Wow, you're a busy lady. <laughs> yes, and I want everybody listening to know that I I have done the Astro um, teacher training with Emily, and it really opened my eyes to so much about astrology, and I really enjoyed it. I also... <laughs> I also um, do a luminary membership with Emily and we get to do ask me anythings where she shows up in live zoom meetings and we're like oh my god this transit is hard we look at this and we talk about it um, so it's like continual um, assistance which I you know Paul and I really find helpful because it's nice to hear about all the transits that are going on collectively for all of us. And sometimes um, it's nice to have the feedback of how that actual transit is going to affect you directly because it, yes, collectively it's going to affect us in some way, but it's hitting in our, it's hitting us in different houses. Like our Uranus is in different houses depending on who you are. And like, so the finding the balance for that could look really different. Like, every one of us is going to have a weird midlife crisis or like some kind of like really difficult opposition. And it's not the same for everybody. So uh, I guess I'm all I'm saying that for is that I definitely recommend Emily because I she's my go to for all astrology stuff. So if you want to learn more about your chart, 
And you're working with people too from a beginning, like they can come in from a beginner standpoint, correct? Yes, they can. I also train people who are professional astrologers themselves who are deepening language or language knowledge on this topic. But yeah, people, many people, like I think you did, you came in and you weren't sure how to read yet. And so a lot of people come in and it's their first dive in. Um, What I encourage people to do is recognize if you are beginning or if you are a professional, like you're going to want to ask different sorts of questions at those points. So you don't have to, you don't have to be where you're not. You start where you are and it will, it will, the more you sit with these energies, the more you'll get. And so you'll, you know, it takes some time, I think at first to put in the work to learn it, which is what the course is for. But then once you start to get a a hold of it, you start in the same way that like when you first read, you know, you're reading like word by word and then all of a sudden you're reading, you know, whatever you like to read, Manly P. Hall or <laughs> whoever, you know, whoever is your, the person you're reading um, and, and the chapter book, you know, thing. And it gets easier and then you get fluent and, and that's when the magic happens. And it's great to be in a class of people that know nothing because those people, because if you think you know something, they can kind of illuminate things for you. They're like, oh, I didn't know how to ask that. And I had never really thought about that. Here it, here I am thinking I know something and this person. Or you're a beginner and you're with some people that know things and then they ask questions. You're like, oh, I didn't even know that was a, th- a thing that I could ask, right? So I like these group classes with the, you know, a diverse group of individuals. So we can learn from each other in addition to just you. Totally. And you're a great, um, you're a great example of a person who started and now you're like so proficient and wonderful at it, you know? So, uh, so it's, so it's wonderful. And, um, and so if someone's listening to this and they're like, I don't really understand astrology yet, but I, if something in your heart says yes, right. That's usually a sign. It's time. It's time to go. It's time to go learn something. Yeah. If you want to learn a new language, astrology is a really fun one. So where yeah. can people find you, Emily? They can find me at emilyridout.com. It's a creative a creative title. Um, so it's my name, E-M-I-L-Y-R-I-D-O-U-T.com. You'll find all of my services and classes there. Um, you can also sign up for a free 15-minute consult if you want to have a chat. Um, yes. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. I'm less active on Facebook, but I'm on Instagram at Emily Ridout Astro Yoga. And I put a lot of stuff there. And we'll share everything as well. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Anything else? Any other, any last kind of, um, last words about 2022 that we should keep in mind here? I'm putting you on the spot. Be very philosophical. Yes. (laughs) No matter who you are listening to this, no matter where you are and no matter how things look externally, recognize that you have the power in this moment to begin shifting things for the better. And you can start small, right? Sweep your floor, breathe a little, drink a glass of water, 
and start aligning yourself with the energy that is right for you. And together, as we individually do this, we're going to build a future that's going to be right for, for you know, the generations yet to come. Oh, thank you, Emily. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I learned on. so much. So thank you. I might have been a little bit quiet, people. It's because um, I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for having me on. This is such a pleasure to talk with you. And yeah, I'm looking forward to 2022. Oh, me everybody <laughs> that likes to get readings at the beginning of the year. Check out Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>